0: Welcome back to another episode of the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm Angela Haug, founder of the international online coaching business, Team Ange. I'm an expert in building muscle and losing fat, a natural figure and fitness pro athlete with the UFE, and a lover of everything personal development. I'm a mom, a businesswoman. Most days, I just feel like a hot mess trying to keep it all together. I spent the first two decades of my life overweight, Tired, hating vegetables, and living off Pepsi. I got sick and tired of feeling tired every day and decided to transform my life. This fitness and nutrition podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering listeners on all things training, nutrition, and personal development. I'm on a mission to help you improve your body, achieve your goals, live a confident and fulfilled life, stepping into your full potential. So let's help you transform physically and mentally to a person that's been hiding underneath all along. Let's do it! Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to today's episode. I have a kick-ass conversation coming right up here with Miss Holly Baxter. But first, I have a couple of announcements to let you guys know about. So. First things is that registration is now open for our training camps. So these training camps we are offering just once a year. We're gonna offer a beginner camp, which is taking place on Saturday, May 11th. And then we also have our two-day intermediate and advanced camp that's gonna be taking place on September 21st and September 22nd. So beginner camp, what can you anticipate? We're gonna meet up at the camp location in Gory, Ontario, Canada, and we're gonna start our day off with some fresh fruit smoothies and some soulful conversations so that we can really get to know one another. Then we're gonna move into group workshops where you'll learn how to build confidence with a barbell, how to activate muscles properly so that you get the best results, and how to exercise on the go so that you can stay active even during the busiest of days. We're gonna work together to make easy healthy meals and team up for a friendly competition all with a group of like-minded women plus you'll learn how to meal prep like a pro essentially this camp is your opportunity to connect with a tribe of amazing women people who have similar goals and interests and really give you that support and encouragement that you've been missing so this training camp is a fun space where you can make lifelong memories connect with like-minded friends and really kickstart that healthy lifestyle so some of the group sessions that you can anticipate at our beginner camp are making high protein snacks that actually taste good how to meal prep like a pro how to optimize your nutrition to really get that fat loss and muscle gain that you're searching for. We're gonna do some soul sessions where we dive deep to find out your why. And then you're gonna have those amazing workshops working with those leading experts so you're gonna have myself Vanessa Schefter and Michelle Casolino and we're really gonna make sure that you feel like you have the tools in your toolkit to make sure that your workouts are getting you the most bang for your buck so guys the registration is open and right now we are running our early bird sale for both camps so both that beginner camp and the intermediate camp So beginner camp is coming up. It's right around the corner, Saturday, May 11th. And we wanna make sure that if this is something that you are interested in, that you sign up ASAP. There's only limited spots available and I would absolutely love to meet you in person and have an opportunity to really help you get the results that you're after. Now, September camp. This is our two-day intermediate and advanced camp. And what can you really expect from that? So you're gonna see some of the same things as the beginner camp, but really we're gonna be upping the ante so that you can customize your weekend with workshops that resonate for you. So if you head to trainingcamps.com you're going to get to see all of the amazing workshops that we are offering. So you'll go through, you'll pick the favorite things that you really want to learn about, and you'll be able to customize your weekend to make sure it's exactly what you need. So some of the things that you can expect in terms of those workshops are back training, arm and shoulder training, how to strengthen your core, how to decrease low back pain, how to train your legs, how to train your glutes, how to do functional fitness. If you wanna learn how to front squat, overhead squat, shoulder press, push and jerk, all those kind of fun things, you're gonna have a workshop that's available for you that helps with that. There's also Squish, Recover, and Roll, which is really gonna help with your mobility. We have effective workouts you can do anywhere, introduction to the barbell, how to use a TRX, and so much more. So if you want all the full details about our two-day September camp, again, you wanna head on over to teamandtrainingcamps.com, sign up during the early bird so that you can get the best rate. We also offer pay in full, Or payment plan options so there's lots of options that are available for you guys and I'm just super super excited for these events these things can really be the events that transform the direction of where you're going so many breakthrough moments happened at last year's camp and I cannot wait for all the people that will be attending these events as well so Anywho, would absolutely love to meet you. Head on over to tmanstrainingcamps.com for all of the details. And now, let's get into today's episode. Today's conversation is with Miss Holly Baxter. And really, Holly, she's amazing. She's one of those people who's been a standout in the online space. She had a lot of involvement in numerous sports over the years. And now she really works with people to help them get the bodies that they're after. Her specialty is reverse dieting repairing the metabolism and we talk about that in depth in today's conversation. So we talk about essentially how she's been able to have a really incredible competitive season. She's been kicking ass in so many different organizations as a fitness model. And so we dive into what it takes to become a champion and some of the things that Holly does differently to ensure her success in that particular space. We also talk about how to diet creatively with foods. So we dive into low carb strategies, we talk about her cookbook, and ways in which you can really make sure that you're not eating the same old thing every single day. So we go through some strategies for that. We talk about how to read food labels and tips for reading them with success. We talk about tips for choosing high protein snacks, does alcohol impede your fat loss, and really just so many good pieces of information when it comes to nutrition. Holly Baxter is an absolute inspiration to so many people around the world. If you have not checked her out, you wanna make sure you head on over to her Instagram, find out what she's all about. Her content is so, so good, backed by evidence, backed by science, and just completely outstanding. So that's it for today, guys. Hope you guys enjoy today's episode. Let's get into it. Hey, Holly, how's it going? Hey, good, thank you. Well, I just want to kick things off by welcoming you to the podcast, Holly, and just saying thank you for taking the time to have the conversation this evening.
1: No, that's fine. Thank you for having me on your show.
0: Fantastic. So how did you get into the nutrition space and doing what you're doing now?
1: Gosh, that's a very long, could be a long-winded answer. Um, So I... I was finishing up uh, year 11 and 12, um, and at the time I was doing a lot of sport and uh, competitive track running and basketball, and I knew I wanted to be involved in something to do with health or being able to help people. Um, Initially, I considered doing medicine, and I ended up applying for dietetics in Victoria, in Australia, and it was a little bit closer to home. It wasn't quite such a travel... So I, yeah. yes, I ended up taking the the, the course uh, undergraduate degree in food science and nutrition, and then after I finished that, I went on and did my masters in dietetics, and now a few years on, I am kind of full full time online nutrition coach. So yeah, that's that's kind of where I've progressed from.
0: Mm-hmm. Now in terms of what you would have originally studied, I don't know if it's the same in Australia, but Normally in the United States, the dietetics route tends Mm -hmm. to lend towards the people who are perhaps having ailments or are in a different place in in what they require from a nutrition coach. Would you say that the shift in focus for you now isn't necessarily in the medical field, but is more so in the online space working with people either who want to transform their bodies or maybe more lifestyle clients? Is that the kind of the shift that, that you've moved towards?
1: Yeah. So if I go back probably six years now, I was spending a lot more time uh, with a clinical patient load. So I would have a lot of patients that would be in gastroenterology, renal, they were oncology patients, diabetic patients. So yeah, it was far more health or clinical based. But I, I did find it really difficult because the population that I would work with, they were often referred just from their GP uh, to the dietician to help kind of intervene with whatever their health condition was. And people really lacked motivation to actually make changes. So I found that I would be putting in a lot of work and trying to get these people to make you know, changes, but they just weren't interested. So I felt like I wasn't having the impact that I thought and knew that I could. And I guess just over time as things progressed, I started to find myself kind of falling in line with people that were into fitness, you know, and just sports. I kind of fell back into, you know, working with athletes, be it like endurance runners, triathletes, basketballers, footballers. And then I think it wasn't really until I started doing um bodybuilding contest myself so bikini or fitness modeling I guess we would call it that I then started working more with people that are interested in body composition so yeah my shift has definitely gone from a clinical focus to more of a athlete based body composition aware <laughs> group of people
0: mm-hmm. amazing and and you're kind of coming off of a pretty strong competitive season so let's talk about that i know you had a few <laughs> shows i believe they were last year And uh, maybe you can just tell our audience a little more about some of the titles that you were able to achieve and then how have things been going since the show?
1: Awesome. Uh, Yeah, so I think the first time I really started getting interested in uh, the fitness competitions was late 2014, 2015. And it wasn't really something I was going to do, but I was actually coaching a few people at the time who were going to be doing bikini competitions. And one of my clients uh, ended up actually deciding that she didn't want to proceed. And she was like, you know what, you should do the competition I was going to do. You know, I heard that if you win the state championships, you go well at nationals that the you know the top three place getters at nationals get to go to dubai and i was like oh my gosh i've always wanted to go to dubai so that was kind of my initial kind of experience of getting into the the competitive world and my motivation was i really just wanted to go to dubai and i did really well in my first couple of shows i took out first place in the INBA fitness model so I took out local shows state shows and national shows and took out an overall which was awesome for my first year and then obviously went over and competed uh, for Australia on the Australian team in Dubai and that was a bit of an eye-opener. it was very, very intimidating, but I actually won the world Championship. So that was quite an incredible experience and I think from there I kind of kicked off my interest in wanting to pursue it and and go a little bit further. So, I did another season with IMBA, which is Australia's natural bodybuilding Federation. and after that kind of I felt like the competition in Australia probably wasn't quite at the same standard as some of the other countries in different federations and I wanted to make sure that I was like competing against the best athletes. I'm super competitive, so you know I wanted to make sure that you know if I'm gonna win a title, I'm gonna win a damn good one. <laughs> so that's when I kind of stepped into the IFB world. And that was quite challenging because I was working, or sorry, competing against people that were not necessarily natural athletes, and I was. So I certainly had my work cut out for me going up against some of the figure girls that are not natural, but I did really well. In 2017, I think it was, I did a a state show and a national show in Queensland and Sydney, and I think I, I took out second place at nationals for the IFBB figure. So That was kind of the last IFBB competition that I did and then I took a little bit of a break for a year i took 12 months off kind of got my health back in line obviously when you're competing quite a bit you have a lot of what we call metabolic adaptation so your metabolism eventually slows down to kind of protect your body from famine essentially it's a wonderful revolutionary mechanism that our bodies have developed to protect us from dying but obviously in this day and age we we don't have that threat of famine anymore so It's very frustrating for people, I guess, that are trying to lose weight because of that metabolic adaptation. So I took the 12 months off and just worked on a reverse diet, so repairing my health, and then came back pretty strong last year (laughs) and actually uh, went in the WBFF Federation, which is a lot more glamorous. I think you've probably seen it. It's like a a big Victoria's Secret you know, runway show. That's kind of how it seems to me. And it just felt like it was a little bit more fun. You know, it's a lot more friendly and, you know, they encourage more of a natural look as well. It's not like the other federations. If I had stayed in IFBB, my physique kind of encourages or is more suited to figure But to be the best in the world at figure, they are really, really, really muscular. And I don't have the desire to look like that. But then I'm also still too muscular for bikini. So I kind of am sitting in the middle. And yeah, the WBFF Federation really just seems to fit my physique. And they encourage a more natural look. So, yeah, I actually took out two shows back to back last year in 2018 uh, in November. One was a a natural show, the NCP Tampa Classic uh, with our good friends, Paul Revella. That's his local show. And then, yeah, the WBFF Miami show. So that's that's that. (laughs) Amazing. So
0: you did your last show.
1: Mm -hmm. Now,
0: then what did you do?
1: I have taken some time off. I am actually about to do a powerlifting meet here next week. So in my off-season, I love to focus on something that is not related to your look and your body and your physique. Um, it's really nice to have a break from the mirror uh, and focus on the performance side of things. So, yeah, it kind of helps me get through that period where you're repairing your metabolism and obviously you have to kind of gain a little bit of weight in order to build muscle. So this process now for me kind of gives me something to work towards in my off-season and for most people if they don't have a goal and they're trying to reverse diet it can be really challenging because you know you're not losing weight you're putting on weight but the intention is that you would repair your health repair your metabolism but you also have the opportunity to build muscle whilst you're out of a calorie deficit and you're in a calorie surplus so yeah I definitely throw myself hard and heavy into uh, strength and power lifting so That's kind of uh, what's on the cards for me here next weekend. So that's Hmm. exciting.
0: Very exciting. Very exciting, Holly. So let's just talk about the why and how of reverse dieting. Somebody's listening and maybe coming Mm -hmm. off a show or just curious about what that looks like. Let's just give them the scoop of, yeah, what exactly is reverse dieting and why would somebody choose to do one? (laughs)
1: Sure. So it's actually not just something for competitors. I think, you know, for people that perhaps aren't in the fitness of the competitor world, it's certainly not something just for people that are getting on stage. A reverse diet is the concept of helping to repair your metabolism. But the reason that we get to a point where our, well, let me back up a little bit. A lot of people will find themselves in a position where their calories are really, really low and they're no longer losing weight either. So perhaps they've stalled and they're consuming, let's just use an arbitrary number of, say, 1,200. And then in order for them to lose any more, they have to really overly restrict their food intakes just to get a tiny little bit more weight off. So you know, that's not really manageable to kind of stay at those, those kind of low intakes. And usually over time, what we see is that people kind of end up quitting and then they'll rebound because they've restricted their intakes for such a long time, they'll end up kind of bouncing back and doing the exact opposite and overeating. And then they'll regain weight really quickly. Uh, and that's because over time, and it does depend on the, the duration of a diet, Uh, we do end up adapting to those lower calories. And then before you know it, you're at your calorie floor and you're no longer able to lose weight. So the purpose of a reverse would be to help kind of slowly and conservatively reintroduce calories back into your diet so that you can get back to a point that is manageable and sustainable long-term so that you can still go out and enjoy food socially with your friends and have a drink of wine or something like that here or there if you want to but not fear whether you're going to wake up 10 pounds heavier the next day. But it's a slow process and I think one of the challenging things is that People always want results like immediately, like right now. So it's something that you kind of have to commit to and take your time with it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So how much are we talking? Like you you said, it goes
0: as a slow process. So Mm -hmm. what should somebody anticipate? How much food are we
1: talking about adding per week? How much body weight are we, are we talking about per week? sure that's a really good question so it really does depend on the individual kind of where they've come from so we need to consider like their diet history you know are are you somebody that has a history of chronic dieting or yo-yo dieting where your weight goes up and down and up and down all the time so those kinds of things and somebody's metabolic health are really strong considerations when i'm taking on new clients to see kind of you know what speed would be a, a realistic speed to start reintroducing calories so you know, for for most women, I think women have a, a really, you know, strong fear of weight gain. So I usually take a conservative approach with a reverse diet for most of my female clients. So just to throw some numbers at you, I kind of stick to between 0.002 and 0.003 percent of their current body weight as an allowable gain each week. So let me think about that. For me, if I'm sitting at, say, 66 kilos at the moment, each week uh, an appropriate amount of weight for me to regain would be like 130, maybe up to 200 grams per week. Okay, so that would be like my allowable or my maximum allowable regain. So if I increase my calories by, let's say, 50 one week and I didn't have any weight gain on that week, that's great. I'll take another increase the next week, maybe 50 calories more. Great, my weight didn't change and I'll keep doing that until I start to see some weight gain. And usually, probably for the first six to eight weeks, for some people, there might not be any weight regain at all. Um and that's excellent. Um, we might be able to progress them say four or five hundred calories a day with no changes to their body weight, and that's a really good amount of food. Like five hundred calories, that's you know another meal and a whole snack. That's that's the extra stuff that we want to be able to eat in a day. You know, I have hundreds of clients and a few. Um, I've actually done tutorials on on my YouTube channel. I'm kind of showing through their entire process from the reverse diet. Which was like 16 to 20 weeks. And then I'll do their 12 week diet phase. And I kind of show you step by step how we introduced calories, you know, what's happening with their weight. And then I explain uh, exactly why we make changes or we might not. But yeah, I think a 50 to 100 calorie increase per week is a really good target. And if you gain a little bit more than that, kind of allowable range that I mentioned, well then we slow the breaks. We kind of have another week at those same targets and then maybe the next week we can take another increase and just see how things go.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, can you just break down the science of what's happening there? Because for some people, they may be listening and thinking, well, how can you add more calories and yet your weight (laughs) stays the same? Like For some people, they may be very baffled. So let's just break down the science of why that works.
1: Sure. So I think the same way that our body can adapt to low calorie intakes, we can tend to have the same response to higher in, uh, higher calorie intakes. So, And this is the same thing that can happen with adaptations to training. So over time, we'll look at the diet thing first. Let's say you were consuming on average 1,800 calories per day. And then for a period of time, maybe you started eating just unintentionally, maybe you dropped down, your intakes were only 1400 or 1500 and it wasn't like deliberate or anything, but maybe you were thinking about perhaps losing weight and you cut out a few foods. And then you held and maintained that weight for a little period of time. Our metabolism ends up adapting to those lower calories. Okay, so that becomes what we would define as our new maintenance calories. Maintenance calories are the calories that maintain our body weight at the present moment, okay? So if you then were hovering around, say, 1,400 calories and then you wanted to diet again, you dropped your calories down to 1,200 or maybe even 1,100 quite low, you might get initial drop in weight, but then your metabolism would adapt to those lower calories and then you would probably find that your weight plateaus and then you would sit there. So that 1,100 calories is now your maintenance, okay? So we can do the same thing in the positive direction as well. So if you're somebody that was really struggling to, you know, maintain their weight, you're eating very little, you know, on a thousand calories or something like that, which is very low. If you slowly and conservatively reintroduce calories just a little bit at a time, we get an adaptive response. It's kind of like your metabolism goes, ah, I can breathe again. I've got some extra energy laying around. You know, I can start being more wasteful with the calories that are coming in from food. So that's kind of how that works. We see a similar phenomenon in like endurance athletes to training. So just to give you an example, like a triathlete might go out and do a two-hour bike ride. They might be doing, you know, an hour of swimming every day and then maybe a 30-minute run. Like some of these athletes are extreme and they do this five or six days a week. But then we look at their calorie intakes and perhaps they're only consuming, you know, amount of calories that would make sense for somebody that's only doing an hour of exercise a day. So how is that possible? Well, we have an adaptive response to training as well. So our body becomes very efficient in the way that we mobilize and use fuel or the, the, the energy that comes from our food sources. So, yeah, our metabolism can do the same thing when it comes to food, which is excellent. Mm. Absolutely.
0: And Mm. yeah, I think in such a world where women especially always Mm -hmm. think that we need to be dieting, always think that we need to be eating 1200 calories no matter what Uh we weigh or how much we train or anything like that. It's so important Mm -hmm. for this kind of information to get out there. So more people prioritize it, right? Like, We're still in that phase of educating women about the importance of being in a period where they're not dieting or chasing those last 5 to 10 pounds, right? Like it's always like there's another vacation coming up or there's a wedding coming up and it's like we need to get this information out there so more people are like, hey, let's look Mm -hmm. at the year or let's take an entire year of not even
1: dieting at all and that could be something that they've never done. Right. I think, yeah, there's always going to be something that pops up that people would rather look for. I mean, I can think of three examples just today before I got on this call with you, I was finishing my client reports and I forgot somebody that's got their brother's wedding coming up in July. I have somebody else who has a holiday in June and they're like, oh, I know that I'm, you know, reverse dieting, but I would really like to be in a, you know, I'd like to be leaner for that wedding. And I'm like, okay, at what expense you've done the same thing? for 30 odd years of your life, you know, up and down and you haven't made any progress. If you want to make a change, well then you need to change what you're doing. That process doesn't work. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to be able to commit some time to repairing your metabolism because at the end of the day, that's what makes it easier for you to diet the next time. So usually the calorie drop that you need in order to lose weight is relative to the starting point of your calories. So to give you an example, if you started your diet at 1800 calories in order to lose, let's say a kilo and a half in uh, two couple of weeks, you might need to be in an 800 calorie deficit every day. Just throwing some numbers out there but if you had done a reverse diet and repaired and given your metabolism time to catch up and get back to what we would consider normal then maybe your calorie intakes when you start are at 2500 that's where mine are around right now it's awesome so when i start my diet if i still wanted to lose that one and a half kilos and i need an 800 calorie deficit I'm only having to drop down to 1700. And that's really manageable. So, you know, it makes not only makes that diet phase more manageable and sustainable, it also means we also have a longer duration to actually work on dieting. So, therefore, you should be able to supersede your target goal weight and get even lower. Than you've ever been before with your weight because there's actually calories to take from you're not trying to diet down on like 800 calories and you know it's it's awful and you're miserable and you're binge eating because you're starving all the time so there's so many positives to you know just investing in a good amount of time to repair your metabolism <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely
0: absolutely amen to that now i know on your youtube and the other channels that you have of sharing information. You Mm -hmm. really share some great strategies in terms of getting creative with food. I know you have your awesome cookbook that has macro-friendly recipes. So if there's anybody that's listening, can you give Mm -hmm. maybe some ideas in terms of getting creative with food, whether that's during a dieting phase or a building phase, just so it's not the same old bland thing day (laughs) after day?
1: Yeah, look, I think um, at some point in your diet, I will confess, like things do get a little bit bland and boring. <laughs> like in the final maybe five weeks of a contest prep diet for me, when I am eating, I think the lowest I've actually ever gotten down to was about 1200, to be honest. So it's probably not as bad as other people, but that's because I've invested in my metabolism. Yeah, there will become a point where it's difficult and things are less interesting, but. Um, there are so many uh, foods that you can substitute to make lower calories so these days we have like if you're somebody that really enjoys pasta and rice um, there are phenomenal um, food substitutes that are like pasta substitutes so I use something called uh, shiitake noodles um, their brand names are like Miracle or Slendia in Australia. What are they here? Um, P- Zero Pasta is another one that's on the supermarket shelves here. At like even Walmart sells that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, they- and I was gonna say here in Canada we have one called New
0: Pasta too. It's the the same sort of thing, yeah. but uh, Canadian company.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so there's lots of little you know tri- tips and tricks I guess with carbohydrate sources that you can choose. So like I'll make up. A few different pasta types a week, but I'm just not using regular pasta noodles. I'm using those, and they're really high in fiber. They're super filling, and yeah, it makes your food more enjoyable. So there is that. I used to be somebody that ate a lot of rice, and now, like as I get further into a diet, um, cauliflower rice. That's super accessible. Nearly all stalls stock uh, cauliflower rice. It's literally just cauliflower heads thrown in a processor and blended together and then you can make like fried rice. So every week I'll have fried rice with like a really lean turkey bacon. I still have soy sauce, all the veggies go in like, you know, you add a protein sauce. It's totally fine. I think the biggest thing is just like investing in like a bit of reading. Like you you don't know foods you enjoy. So jump onto Google, low-fat burgers. Like there's lots of options. You just have to look for it. So I think just a bit of planning goes a long way.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, let's say somebody's going through the grocery store and they're looking at labels. What are some of the things that maybe the newbie or the beginner should be looking at when they're reading a label? Are there certain things that they should avoid, certain things that they should be looking for that are going to be more macro-friendly for
1: them? Mm-hmm. Great question. I think I am a flexible dieter, so that basically means that I can eat any food that I want, which is really nice. But the reason that I can do that is because I track macros. So macros, if you are somebody that's new to uh, the nutrition side of things, a macronutrient uh, consists of either protein, carbohydrates, fats, and alcohol is also a macronutrient. But for the purposes of, I guess, what we are talking to, we'll stick to the, the protein, carbs, and fats. But trying to determine what your maintenance calories are or your body's nutritional requirements is probably a really great uh, starting point. I have quite a few videos on YouTube which can educate you to learn about how to calculate your maintenance calories or your calorie requirements. And we also have a couple of books too. One is called The Complete Contest Prep Guide and the other is Fat Loss Forever. And in fact, even my cookbook, The Contest Prep Recipe Guide has instructions about how to work out what your calorie requirements are Um, So that they would be very useful tools. But once you know that information, that makes the labels that you're looking at so much more relevant. So when you pick up a product and you can look at the the calories and the carbohydrates and the fats, you can kind of start to put things in perspective based on what your nutritional needs. But um, if you were just if you didn't know that, I think uh, looking at the calories is probably the most important thing to look for at the end of the day when it comes to uh, weight loss Uh, It really is calories in versus calories out. It's very simple. So in order to lose weight, you need to consume less calories than you are expending. If you wanted to gain weight or gain muscle, you need to be consuming more calories than you're expending every day. So yeah, calories is probably the most important thing when it comes to weight uh, maintenance and of course, protein. (laughs) Protein is a very important macronutrient that will help. You to maintain your lean muscle mass. So prioritising your protein and then working towards hitting a certain amount of calories every day um, is also very important. Mm-hmm. What about fibre? Fiber, yeah, uh, fiber is an excellent, you know, it's something that we need to have for our, you know, GI health. It also, can, all the fiber foods that are high in fiber obviously give us a great uh, range of micronutrients, which have a lot of essential roles and functions within our body. So, and it's also really important for our cholesterol management too. So, um, usually for fiber we would aim for around 20 to 30 grams of fiber per day but it really depends on the individual's micronutrient sorry, macro intakes so for somebody that is consuming you know a lower amount of calories their daily fiber target is not going to be quite as high as somebody that is on higher calorie intakes so yeah it just depends on the individual but 20 to 30 is a really good target and that would probably require you to have at least two meals a day that are vegetable and or salad nature so mm-hmm. um yeah my behavior is certainly like lunchtime I'll have I'll make sure I have like a big salad it probably weighs about 500 grams and then at dinner I'll try to include some veggies within my meal and I try to do them as like mixed meals just to make them more enjoyable because I don't really like eating veggies just on their own i think they're always more enjoyable in a stir fry or something with like a nice dressing or a nice taste so there's lots of ways you can hide your veggies
0: Mm -hmm. now what about protein bars are there certain tips that people should look for when they're comparing protein bars i know there's like a million that are on the market these days
1: can you maybe give some suggestions with that holly Sure. Yes, there are a lot of protein bars. I think you have to be careful again, some of the protein bars are very high in calories. So, for females, is your audience mostly female listeners? I would say mostly females, yeah. Okay. For women, I would probably try to look for a protein bar that is around 200 calories maybe 210 at the most if it's kind of taking over a meal, for example, uh, or for a post-workout. I know sometimes if I'm in a hurry and I haven't got time to prepare anything, I'll have a protein bar but I make sure that it's got a good amount of protein. So anywhere from 20 to 25 grams, probably a suitable amount of protein if it's coming from a protein bar. Some of the protein bars that are like natural, they have a lot of fats and also still a lot of carbohydrates. So it's a general rule of thumb. I try not to have, uh, I would recommend not having protein bars that have really any more than say or oh, 10 grams of fat. Otherwise, you're really starting to probably get far into your daily fat target if you're also having lots of other meals during the day that contain some fats.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. Would you say too that sometimes when you're looking at the, I don't know, like looking at all of the bars and looking at what's available that the marketing can kind of influence us in the wrong direction like sometimes we can look and see those words like natural or see those things like whole foods and these marketers are putting a lot of those types of words on there and so some people may assume that those buzzwords are what they should be leaning towards versus actually looking at what the composition is and where those macros are coming from
1: Yeah, I think food manufacturers and the labeling laws are awful. Um, Yeah, I think a a big one is like organic. And as you said, the word natural, uh, that does not mean that they are calorie friendly. Some of the worst bars I've seen are organic and natural, and you know, non GMO and uh, whatever else. There's so many different, I guess, uh, marketing claims that the companies can put on. But yeah, I mean, some of the vegan products even probably top the list of the worst on the market because they're adding in, you know, things like honey and other sweetener sugars, dates and things to add a sweet taste. And then they also add a ton of coconut oil just to help with the binding properties because they're, you know, that's that's just how they, they get the product to stick together. And they're very, very calorie dense and often very low in protein too. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I think a, a good protein bar should probably have about 20 to 25 grams of protein. And I would be trying to get something that it's under 10 grams or fat.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now you touched a little bit on alcohol. So does alcohol impede fat loss or do you think it has any sort of impact on your ability to reduce fat?
1: Um, I think the research seems to suggest that in moderation, it actually does not impede our ability to lose fat. So we've, I've actually got an article on my website that kind of covers this directly. So it's more of an indirect effect. If you're somebody that's just consuming alcohol, you know, on the weekends, and you're just having a couple of glasses, that alone, if we look at alcohol's actual effect on our ability to lose body fat does not make any difference. It has calories. So alcohol has seven grams, uh, sorry, seven calories per gram. So you do need to track it. Um, If you're somebody that's tracking macros, absolutely. I also have an article that talks about how to track uh, calories too, if anybody is interested. But yeah, I think it's more the indirect effects. So usually we start to kind of lose our uh, inhibition a little bit as we as our alcohol intake increases, and that kind of puts us in a more susceptible position to overeating. I'm sure many of you have probably had a time where you've had a couple of drinks too many, and next thing you know, you're standing in line to get a pizza, or you're stuffing on the way home to get something, and it's usually very calorie dense. So. As i said it doesn't directly affect our ability to lose body fat in modest amounts so like maybe two to three drinks but it's the indirect effect where you might end up over consuming calories or maybe it means that you stayed up extra late and now you're feeling incredibly tired the next day and you skip your training session so that's the kind of thing that i would be concerned about if people are having a large amount of alcohol mm-hmm. <laughs> in their diet but Yeah, I still, I still include alcohol until like two weeks or three weeks out from being on stage um, because I like to have red wine and I still like to socialize, but it just requires a little bit more planning if um, I want to have a drink because it's calorie dense, you know, so it probably means there's some other sacrifice earlier in the day. You know, maybe I don't have any carbs at my lunch if I wanted to have a glass and a half or two of wine at dinner because of the calorie value. So that's something to consider
0: hmm
1: I think there's so much self-awareness
0: in that too, Holly. Wouldn't you agree that like for some people, mm-hmm. one drink is a slippery slope to six drinks? <laughs> and I feel like it's the same thing with one tablespoon to the is a slippery slope to six tablespoons for some mm-hmm. people. So I think the self-awareness of knowing like, hey, you know what? When I have one, it's really hard for me to stop. So perhaps zero is better than having one, right? So I feel yeah. like- Developing that self awareness for yourself personally is the best way to kind of know if that's right or not. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I have these kinds of conversations all the time with clients. And, you know, some people are totally fine with, you know, having two glasses every night with dinner. And that's fine. It fits their macros. That's no problem. It doesn't impede them in any way. Where, you know somebody else um, that perhaps doesn't drink alcohol as regularly um, they'll say to me oh look I stuffed it up this week um, I had two glasses and then you know I blew my macros and I just decided to eat everything when I got home so yeah I think self-reflection self-awareness um, kind of looking at your behaviors um, is really important Um, and if you know that that's an area where you fall short and that you're more like you're at high risk of doing a bit more damage if you're trying to follow a diet well then you know perhaps make a different decision and the same thing goes for food choices as well you know I've had me personally like I don't really enjoy having lots of sweets and like snacks around because i know i hate saying no like i enjoy food so like lane my partner he has like all his he just eat his calories are really really high at the moment so it's unfair for me to say to him hey you can't have any like bad junk food in the house because i don't want to eat it all so we actually have a lockbox in my house like it's got a little code on it and if i want to eat something i'm like hey babe can you just grab me some of this and then i'll, I'll get a portion and i'll throw it back but it just minimizes me from, you know, overeating and just having way too much and just being a pig, really. So I think, you know, if you're somebody that can't have a piece of chocolate without eating the whole block, well, perhaps, um, you know, out of sight, out of, out of mind, out of sight is probably, you know, a good strategy to employ if you have a trouble, have a hard time with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, you've had a lot of success as an
0: athlete so let's just talk about what is it that you do that mm-hmm. you believe makes you so successful when it comes to your competing you said you're competitive in nature but I think there's more mm-hmm. to that in becoming a champion so what do you do that really sets you up for success?
1: Um, I think I seem to have a bit of an all or nothing approach to life to be honest like if I'm going to start something whether it's for my business, whether it's in my personal life, whether it's with my friendships or relationships, I usually really try to invest like everything that I've got in those things. You know, I, I think that's just my personality. Type. <laughs> if I'm gonna do something, I wanna do it to the best of my ability. So, you know, when I first started doing competitions, for example, um, I didn't wanna start it unless I was gonna take it all the way. I wanted to go to world championships and I was like, well, if I'm gonna do that, then I wanna win. So I think I just have a lot of drive in self-discipline. Same for my business. It's really important to me, like if I want to make a difference in this lifetime. So, you know, I apply the steps that I need to get there and it comes with a lot of sacrifice, but I think the reward for me that I get out of it at the end and achieving my goals is what keeps me going. (laughs) Yeah, I think I always make sure that I have like a plan. So, you know, if it's a really big goal, Well, I can't just expect to go from A to Z overnight. I have to make sure that I have all the steps necessary to get me there. So, you know, planning the diet for how am I going to win world championships in August. Like I started thinking about that in July last year. So I like, you know, if I'm going to get to Worlds, I have to compete at nationals. I need to win that. Then I probably need to grow my muscles. So like I have a plan for all of that. So you know there is a lot of I suppose cognitive restraint along the way for everything that I apply myself to. I guess and being competitive.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. What about failure? What happens if you don't win or if you get second? How do you prepare yourself mentally to pick up from that then if you're aiming? yeah okay
1: cool cool um so yeah I've had plenty of failures oh my gosh I hundreds hundreds and hundreds of failures but I think the most important thing is not to fear failing so many people will end up just doing the same thing every single day of their lives because they're worried about not succeeding that's just not a thought to me you know I've Failed lots of things with my business. I've made mistakes with my business. I've screwed up so many things along the way. But I think the key is to getting back on track quickly. So not dwelling on those things for too long. I think processing that really quickly and going, okay, well, that didn't work. What can I do next? How can I keep moving forwards? How can I keep progressing so that I'm not going backwards? So yeah, there's always going to be periods where, you know, things are slow, or you're not making progress at the rate that you might like. But I think always making sure that you're you're looking to what can I do to help me get to the next step of my goal? Mm
0: -hmm. How do you not allow it to shake your self esteem?
1: Oh, I think it does. It really does like this. I can tell you the number of times that I have like had to go do a res- hard reset. I've just laid out on my bed, I stare at my ceiling. Like I still have those same problems and those same down moments, for sure, um just as much as the next person. But I think, that's something that I've actually done a lot of self-development on over the last few years if I look back to when I was 18 um, you know I had my goals and ambitions and I knew kind of what I wanted to do but I think the biggest thing for me is that I have worked on myself if I see there's an area that I can improve on I'll do what's needed to improve that but I think a lot of that comes from being self-aware as you mentioned before and self-reflection so you know, what did I do wrong? How can I make that better? How can I improve? What shouldn't I do again? And yeah, I think you get plenty of knockbacks and plenty of rejection. Like, I mean, the first job I ever applied to when I was a dietitian, I thought for sure I would get it. And it was like a big fat no, but didn't get a call back. And I was devastated. And I think it let me, let let it affect me for like two or three months. I was like, oh my God, I can't just keep like telling myself I'm a crap at my job. like. It's just because there's a thousand other people who are trying to apply for this one position. So, you know, I think there's been a few key moments in my life where I've just said to go, it's actually not that bad. Just get back on track, <laughs> just keep moving forwards.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, I
0: feel as though over the past couple of years, you've had some pretty big obstacles to overcome, Holly. Like anybody that's been following your journey and kind of understands all of the light that you've been under with your relationship with Lane. I think we all can agree (laughs) that those have been some probably some pretty big obstacles to overcome to be able to foresee your love and your relationship in the capacity that it has now
1: yeah i think probably two years ago i would have been at my lowest point of my entire life (laughs) Um, and and that's not just like financially that was emotionally that was that was everything like i just felt like my world had come crashing down so to kind of be back here i am today i've had We've had the best year we've ever had um, for Biolane in its entire lifespan, I guess we could say. I've had my best year ever this year. So, yeah, I think that just kind of comes from being really persistent, but... Yeah, we were off to a really rocky start. lane, was obviously going through a divorce. I was undergoing or having some really significant health issues. We were trying to, you know, balance a long-distance relationship. We're both entrepreneurs, we've got our businesses. He got kicked out of a company that he started, there were lawsuits, there's divorce It was just awful. So, yeah, we had a pretty hard time to begin with, but I think yeah, if you can get through some of those things, I think that's kind of what's driven me, like, to keep pushing on, like, especially in the last year, I, if, if I can get through that, you know, I can get through anything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Are you
0: settled in the US now?
1: Uh, I am, yes. So I live here now in in Tampa, Florida, so. Nice. Yeah. Very (laughs) cool. Very good.
0: Yeah. Now, Holly, what would you say is lighting you up the most these days?
1: Um, I think my business, to be honest. I just love what I do. I work with, so I work four days a week and it's all day, like 9 a.m. till 9 p.m. coaching clients. So I work with about, I've got 100 clients at the moment and i just love it i love helping people i love the changes that people make i think the most exciting thing is that so many people were unaware of the whole process of reverse dieting and repairing their metabolism and knowing that they can finally eat and have all this flexibility and freedom that just warms my heart i just love it and obviously you know there is plenty of guys that I get to work with too and that are competitors and they're just chippers. it's it's just really fun I, I really enjoy it. So my business is probably the most exciting thing and we've got so many awesome things coming. Um, I wish I could tell you a little bit more about their top secret, but nice <laughs> yeah we have so many things kind of coming yeah. um, at, at towards the end of the year so. Very yeah.
0: cool, very cool. We can't wait for those to all roll out. Now, is mm-hmm. there any upcoming events that you can tell us about? Um, events, events, events.
1: Um... Places you're
0: going, traveling to, maybe you'll oh, be yeah. at certain competitions or anything right? like that.
1: So next weekend, the 6th of April, Host Lane and I are competing powerlifting, which is in Davie, which is about five minutes out of uh, Fort Lauderdale. So we have our powerlifting competition next weekend. I think it's at the university in Davie, but I can't quite remember the name, but uh, that's coming up. For international travel this year, we have international seminars and training camps in Thailand. We have international seminars and camps in Italy. Uh, We have camps and seminars in Australia in November. I think we're also starting up a course, so like a a coaching course I guess for people that wanting to learn more about how to to coach athletes we have China seminars coming up next year yeah we have a lot of travel coming up amazing <laughs> so yeah we'll have all that information on our social media and uh, on our website see if anybody is interested in kind of coming along and learning and yeah very cool very very cool I love that you
0: guys are taking it worldwide and
1: mm-hmm. sharing the
0: information it's amazing
1: Yeah, we have a lot of fun too. It's cool to meet everybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, where can people go if they want to
1: check you out online, Holly? Sure. Okay, YouTube is probably the most informative if you're somebody that wants to or is hoping to learn a little bit more. All the YouTube videos just at Holly Baxter. They're great if you're driving somewhere, you've got 20 minutes and you want to throw on a video and quickly learn about this topic or if you're somebody that's doing cardio, that's kind of where I do all my learning. So I just pop my ears, I headphones on, I listen to the podcasts. I also have social media, uh, sorry, uh, Instagram, which is Holly T. Baxter and I put a bunch of stuff up on there. It's usually kind of short informative clips but that'll lead you back to my YouTube and then I also have my website which is hbnutrition.com.au so all of our books are available online from biolane store.com so that's our fat loss forever book the complete contest prep guide and the complete contest recipe guide all of those are available uh, for purchase too
0: very cool and thanks for sharing so many knowledge bombs and good bits of information in this conversation, Holly. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, that was fantastic. Now, we just end the podcast in the same way every time and that is, how would you like to be remembered?
1: Mm. Oh my gosh, that is such a hard question. I think I would say if you are somebody that wants to get some long-term success with your weight then I'm the girl to go to for repairing your metabolism
0: (laughs) yeah amazing that's fantastic and I love that that is kind of your superpower and the thing that you're channeling in on that's uh, Mm -hmm. such an important part of the process so amazing Mm -hmm. all right well that is it for this evening Holly again thank you for your time I really truly appreciate it
1: and yeah the episode will be live in the next couple of weeks Awesome. Thank you. Um, Will you be able to share with me where I can find it? Yeah, absolutely.
0: So it's going to be on iTunes, Google Play and Podbean. And I will share it on Instagram and send you the link so that you can also share it with your audience too. Oh, awesome.
1: Thank you. I can't wait to to listen back. Yeah, you did great. It was fantastic. (laughs) Thank you very much. All right. Have a good evening. Okay. Bye. Bye.
0: I'm so grateful that Holly took the time to have that conversation. There were so many amazing knowledge bombs and I hope that you guys truly enjoyed so much of the value that she provided in today's conversation. So if you enjoyed today's episode, if you found value in it, I just have one small favor to ask and that is that you head on over to Instagram, that you post today's episode in your Instagram stories, share it. That is how we get this amazing information out to more people. It is so, so important that evidence-based, science-based information like what Polly shared in today's conversation, it needs to get out to more people. So I really, really ask that if you enjoyed today's episode, that you take a few moments and if you're not driving, make sure that you go ahead and share it. Other than that, guys, have an absolutely amazing week and I will catch you next time. Ciao for now. Guys, I'm on a really big mission here and I want to transform one million lives, but I need your help. I can't do it alone. I want you to take this episode, share it with just one person. Maybe it's a friend or a family member or maybe a coworker, just one person who could really benefit from the information in this week's episode or perhaps a previous episode. That is how we create impact. That is how we get this movement going. That's how we take people from feeling tired and just not having a fulfilled life and we put them into fulfilling their full potential. So I challenge you guys to share this with just one person. It would mean the world to me. And as always, head on over to iTunes, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. They come out every single Thursday. That is my commitment to all of you guys so that you guys can continually grow, expand, and fulfill your full potential. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Lots of love, Ange.